0: Hello, and thanks for joining me for another edition of Face the Facts. I'm your host, April Moss, and today I'm going to be sitting down with a former Health and Human Services nurse who witnessed firsthand abuse at her hospital on the Native American Reservation in Arizona. She's a Project Veritas whistleblower. Her name is Jodi O'Malley. We've been able to have a, a really great several months of getting to know one another and i can call her my dear friend Uh, i'm excited to talk about her latest steps and what's going on with her and her new endeavors now that she is no longer a bedside nurse we're going to get into that story today in just a moment but first a word from our sponsors Face the Facts is brought to you today by Holy Hydrogen At-Home Molecular Hydrogen System. When you go to AprilMossTV.com, click on the Partners tab. You'll get to learn all about Holy Hydrogen, plus save $100 off of an at-home hydrogen system that you and your entire family can use when you use promo code APRIL at the checkout. Jodi, I'm so glad that you joined Face the Facts today. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. I always love being with you, April.
0: <laughs> so you have one of the best stories of a project with Veritas whistleblower that I've been privileged to know. Um, your story is so inspiring. Uh, We played a little bit, just a little bit ago, a clip from your Project Veritas interview with James O'Keefe. And um, for those that are just getting caught up on your story, one of the significant things about you blowing the whistle on the health and human services is that nobody up until that moment in time uh, had spoken out about how dangerous the genetically modified gene therapy jabs are. And so the information that you put forward through your videos and your undercover work uh, was so groundbreaking. And I believe that's why the American people just surrounded you with so much support. Uh, I know that it's been a difficult road, though, since then, as you've had to Uh, be in front of the nurses board and you were threatened with maybe getting your license taken away. And if you could just tell everybody really quickly your success story uh, that just happened a few months ago when you went in front of the nurses board.
1: Yeah. So I had to go in front of the Arizona state board of nursing because they received complaints against my license once the story aired. And then they ordered me to undergo an ethics evaluation and I after the evaluation they deemed me ethical in my practice and um and exonerated me if you will with you know no blemishes against my license so that's really huge and that's that's a big part of the story right is because i did what i vowed to do and that was to protect the people And when I noticed safety issues happening, it is my duty and ethical obligation to report it. Um, Maybe the way I went about it wasn't necessarily, you know, what many people would have done. However, I worked for the federal government and nobody was listening to me scream about these safety concerns with the mask, the isolation, the, you know, seclusion of patients, the removal of the advocate from the bedside, um, the injuries that these injections were causing, and it, you know, especially uh, no early treatment for the Native Americans.
0: Right. It was absolutely egregious what happened to people. And so important, though, that you spoke up and um, you continue to do that even after your story broke. And now that you are not nursing anymore, you're still very heavily involved with um so many organizations. And I I hope you will share with us your latest endeavors. Um, It's very exciting. You've been partnered up with Dr. Peter McCullough and a lot of the great work that America Out Loud is doing. Tell everybody about your latest endeavor um, and what you've been trying to do to raise awareness about uh, proper health procedures and early treatments for people. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm, I'm a
1: bedside nurse, a critical care nurse by training. And once my story was released, I felt that it was my obligation to continue to educate people. And when you do that on social media platforms, you're at risk of getting censored or, you know, removed off the platform. And I'm, you know, just a step or two away from that happening when America Out Loud called me and asked me if I wanted to host a weekly radio show where I can talk uncensored about anything that I wanted to talk about. And that to me was a godsend because, you know, I mean, the Lord always makes a way, right? And to be on the platform with the distinguished uh, uh, hosts that they have, you know, Dr. McCullough being one of them was just absolutely um, remarkable to me. And so now I'm on America Out Loud pulse every Friday at 5 and 10 PM. And then it goes to podcast on the weekend.
0: And is it um, Eastern time zone or? Yeah,
1: Eastern yeah. time, Eastern time. Yeah, 5 and 10 p.m. Eastern time. And then it goes to podcast. So, yeah. Here's
0: what what are some topics that are heavy on your heart that you feel like the American people need to hear. And really people worldwide, as this is going to be available to anybody
1: well, right now, um, my, my topic of conversation that I'll be talking about this upcoming week is the New York Times article saying that American, or Native Americans and indigenous people have lost seven years off of their lifespan. So you know, back in 1944, um, that's how long they were living then, and now 80 years with all of our supposed breakthroughs and medication and technology and the billions of dollars that go out to these communities, you know, via the taxpayers, you know, they've they've lost seven years of life. Uh, that that to me is just a, it, it's evil. And um, it needs to be exposed. And right now, I'm trying to partner with some organizations that can help shed the light and um, educate the Native American communities and let them know, you know, what their options are.
0: Well, and you know, I think so much of it has to do with the fact that uh, most Native Americans living on reservations are just subject to being taken care of by the U.S. government, which is not you know how they were initially uh, created to live and survive and so you see a lot of um i'm assuming uh an increase in things like diabetes and obesity uh alcohol addictions i'm sure other addictions uh because they're not living their life the way that their their ancestors lived would you would you agree with that statement do you feel like that's a lot of the reason why you're seeing a, a downturn in their life expectancy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that has to, that's a big part of it, right? But that, that was already happening prior to COVID. So why did COVID affect them as much as they as it has, you know? I mean, we weren't pulling bodies out of homes up in the reservations, they were dying in the hospitals. and And, and that's true with all Americans. I mean, all of the deaths are primarily occurring in the
0: hospitals, why is that? Right. Those are the places that people go when they feel like I'm scared. I need I need medical treatment so that I can survive. And I know that uh, Project Veritas had highlighted some of these stories, um, especially one of the co-workers who ended up getting COVID and unfortunately was not given the correct treatment. Uh, but you have a lot of other Uh, video and just intel from being at that uh, hospital for the Native Americans that wasn't covered on your Project Veritas interview. Could you share with us a little bit about um, some of the highlights maybe that you'd like to explain that never made it to air? Well, um,
1: there was a conversation that I had with the pharmacist and the hospitalist concerning the refusal of um, the patient's request to try ivermectin and the physician ordering it. And um, a conversation that took place between the three of us where they laughed um, saying that it's a horse pill. I mean, this is the pharmacy supervisor that's saying this is a horse drug. I mean, it it, it just is so egregious to me that these people who are supposedly the leaders in the hospital, right, our pharmacy, our our physicians, and they're making fun of a drug that has a safety profile better than Tylenol that won the Nobel Peace Prize and is proving to, to save people's lives. You know, it's like, did you not do your research? And well, when I do bring up research to them, you know they were citing articles that got retracted.
0: You know, and so and so here's the the other piece to this. Just in the last two weeks, the NIH quietly updated their list of antiviral treatments for COVID nineteen to include ivermectin in that listing. And so now that the NIH has updated their website, I would assume every single person or family member who uh, was deprived of ivermectin when they asked for it, requested it, should have grounds now for lawsuits against these pharmacies and against the hospital systems who refuse to treat the patients.
1: Well, here's something interesting about that. I found out about that, um, it was called table, if you type it into Google, table 2E, characteristics of antiviral treatment, that was already on NIH's website, if you can believe it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're saying that this ivermectin, so they had remdesivir, ivermectin and a couple other monoclonal antibodies that they had listed, and, um, and they're using remdesivir an experimental medication instead of ivermectin so that ivermectin was already on their list it's been on there for over 18 months i printed out that article and brought it to the pharmacist and the hospitalist and everybody in my hospital and said look we can try it and they said no it's only in clinical trials And I said, well, you're rushing remdesivir, which doesn't have a safety profile. I mean, it does. And it would, you know, it's not a good one,
0: but you're not going to try ivermectin, which is safer than Tylenol. Well, not to mention, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that remdesivir was one of the drugs that Fauci used in the 80s in the Congo, where 50% of the people who were put on it died. I'm not sure about
1: in the 80s, but I know that it was a study in the Ebola trial um, that was released in October, I believe, October of 2019. And it was a failed drug in the Ebola trial. Mm -hmm. And and then you're going to, you know, Fauci's going to go and use it for, you know, six months later for
0: COVID. And And deny people early treatment protocols. Um, And that is honestly the most scary and sickening thing about everything that happened with COVID is that All of the natural things that we would know would be good for our body, like vitamin D, vitamin C. People had good success rates going on high dosage vitamin C and D during the pandemic. And yet hospitals stopped giving that as an option at all to patients during that time. That
1: is correct. Um, I I would you know advocate for my patients to be on you know vitamin D, C, zinc, and in some pharma or some hospitalists would would write for it, and most of them wouldn't. And they said it doesn't matter. It's COVID, and so the only treatment we were giving for COVID was remdesivir. and in increasing the patient's length of hospital stay to an
0: average of one to three weeks. And do you think that's because the dosage for Remdesivir was at like 5 days they have to be on it for 5 days or um is that correct?
1: That is correct. Um when somebody is on Remdesivir they have uh, automatic 5-day hospital admission with daily monitoring of labs because it's toxic to the kidneys. And, and the liver, and, and also, too, to the heart. I mean, we would watch the heart rate monitors go 20, 30 beats below baseline, and it was just normal, and they normalized it.
0: Well, and that's, that's the other crazy thing about all of this was the normalization of absolutely everything against what you've been taught as a nurse or as a doctor. So many great doctors have spoken out about this is that you no, know, everything that we're doing right now during this pandemic is not normal. Um and so, Jody, I know that this has been something you were so passionate about. Um, it's why you said, I've got to do something. I've got to break the silence on what's happening in my hospital system. You know, now moving forward, I know you miss having the patient's bedside, and I know you were a phenomenal nurse. Uh, what do you think is going to happen now moving forward as so many people have lost their trust in the medical systems, in the industries. Uh, Where do you see us moving forward from here? Well,
1: short term, um, you know, I I see a lot of tragedies happening in the hospital. I do. Um, You know, we have these student nurses. Remember, they went through um, nursing school during COVID. And so they didn't have a lot of hands-on patient experience. Then those nurses graduate. Now they're on the, on the floors taking care of us. Well, where are their preceptors? They're the experienced nurses that they're usually with for a minimum of 12 weeks, right? They're not there any longer. So many nurses have left the bedside. And so I feel like it's a free-for-all in the hospital where administrators um, can come up with their policy and protocols that continue to take precedence over patients. And these baby nurses, you know, will go along with it because, you know, most of them, they don't have the voice. And then also too, you, if you did see something that you thought was wrong, you would go to your preceptor or to another nurse who's on the floor and anybody, I won't say anybody, because it's a little dramatic, but a lot of nurses that are still at the hospital you know, they're there for a paycheck and, and because a lot of them, they tell me that they say, I'm, I'm still here because I need to make money. And so that means that they're going along with the, the protocols and they're trying to do the best that they can. And, you know, I mean, you see all around nurses, you know, um, protesting and not going into the hospital. There was a hospital in Las Vegas, right outside of Vegas, where all of the nursing staff for the night shift refused to clock in and that was hospital wide because they are increasing their patient ratios but typically it would be 1 to 5 and they were making them go 1 to 8 and all of the nurses at that hospital stood up and said we're not clocking in and so the administration had to come in the CNO had to come in and and help them and you know I don't know what's gone on from there but you know it's it hospital is not the place that we want to be, right? So, you know, I think on the other hand, there's a lot of um, action that's happening on the other side with all the nurses and doctors that say, you know what, this violates my ethics, I'm going to go to where I'm really helping people. And so you have a parallel system that's starting to happen. And you see a lot of doctors um, doing concierge. Um, you know, work with their patients, which means, you know, so people know where they just take a certain amount of patients, and it's not through the insurance. So they're able to practice medicine um, without big pharma overseeing them or hospital administrators. And I think that is going to prove to be better for society and for the health, because then people can actually look at their problems the underlying issues that they're having and address that instead of putting a pharmaceutical drug to mask a symptom.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. I think that's the way to go for sure. Moving forward. Um, Jody, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. And you wrote an excellent article on America Out Loud. Please tell everybody again where they can find you on socials and also how they can listen to your radio show one last time. Yes.
1: So, um, America Out Loud dot uh, AmericaOutLoud.com. And then you can look, um, at the host and you can find me that way. But the show is America Out Loud Pulse, which occurs every day. Um, but I'm the Friday spot at five and 10 p.m. And then it goes to all streaming platforms and podcasts, um,
0: over the weekend. So, America Out Loud Pulse. Awesome. And social media. I know you're on Instagram. Oh, Nurse for Natives. Okay. You got to get on better.
1: I know. I got <laughs> I need help with my social media. I need help with my makeup. I need help with my background.
0: <laughs> no, it's all a process. And, uh, and we'll, get, we'll get somebody to help you with those uh, social media <laughs> accounts too. And I really could see you doing well with having a sub stack also. Uh, I think that that would really benefit you as well. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Thank you so much, Jody, for joining us today.
1: Thank you, April.
0: Thanks so much for joining me today. Please share this episode with family and friends. And don't forget to head over to AprilMossTV.com. Click on Partners and learn all about Holy Hydrogen, the at-home molecular hydrogen system that has been known to help people with weight loss, fertility, cancer, arthritis, even blood conditions and heart conditions. Go to AprilMossTV.com. Click on the Partners tab and select Holy Hydrogen to learn more.